Welcome to Intrepid HR Radio, the voice of today's human resources professional, broadcasting live from Las Vegas and the 18th Annual HR Technology Conference and Exposition. Our Vegas coverage is made possible by Dovetail Software. Dovetail's Employment Engagement Suite is a SaaS-based human resource help desk and case management solution to manage and track real-time employee interactions with HR. And now, here are your hosts, Todd Schnick and Rayan Thorne. All right, good morning and welcome back to Intrepid HR, broadcasting direct from Las Vegas, uh, day two of our exciting coverage from HR Tech. Uh, I'm your host, Todd Schnick, joined by my friend and colleague, Rayanne Thorne. Good morning, my friend. Uh, looking forward to day two. <laughs> good morning, Todd. Me too. We are watered up. We're ready to go, surviving this 18th annual HR Technology Conference and Exposition in downtown Las Vegas, Mandalay Bay. You can find us at booth 1944. And this is, we're live streaming and putting it out for anybody that can't make it to the conference this year, they can hear from these wonderful folks that are stopping by and giving us a few pieces of wisdom. Intrepid HR live from live. Vegas. So live from Vegas. Be, uh, Love that. Well, I think we're kicking off our, our day two coverage with a very exciting guest. But before we get there, a quick shout out to our sponsor, Dovetail. Absolutely. Dovetail Software, HR case management, HR help desk. We're tracking the life of the employee from the time they join your organization until they leave, interacting real time with employees to ensure great employee engagement. All right. Well, let's get to it. We promised a great guest to kick off our day two coverage. Say hello to Jerry Crispin, the founder and principal navigator with Career Crossroads. Jerry, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. What a great time. In yeah. the house, rocking the mic. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, it's my pleasure, Ann. Anytime. Jerry, before we get into our important conversation about all your principles, well, let's uh, let's take a quick second. I'm quite sure everyone listening to this is probably all too familiar with you, but uh, take a few quick seconds and remind the audience a bit about Jerry Crispin. Um, well, I'm 68 years old, so that would take a long time. You don't have that. You don't have that time. I'm a I'm a lifelong nav, uh, student, really, of recruiting. I real I've been passionate about it since I was in graduate school. Um, almost every single job that I've had through 40 years has been um, somewhat involved in recruiting. Um, obviously, I've, I've worked for very large corporations like Johnson & Johnson in human resources and um, small companies, but the last 20 years um, with Career Crossroads, which was my creation and uh, Mark Mailer, and uh, he is um, Fading out slightly now because oh, no, he wanted to retire, and we have a new partner. So Chris Hoyt has been wow. stolen from PepsiCo, um, and uh, that was two years in the making. So I guess I could say I'm still recruiting. Wow! <laughs> How about that? Wow, that's that's probably a, a pretty big hire in your book. Uh, yeah, it's not a hire though, man. He's an owner. Oh, good. So good. he and I run and own Career Crossroads now. That's fabulous. Yeah. What a what a fantastic change moving forward for you. I love it. I love it. I like. I, I want to put somebody else out in front. And he is a perfect person to carry on the legacy he of is. Career Crossroads. I think so. So what brings you to HR Tech this year? I know that you are and have described yourself as a lifelong, you did in your opening uh, monologue of yourself here, yeah. lifelong student. As a student, what brings you to HR Tech this year? I think it's one of the premier shows really in the world at this point. They've uh, built it to um, an extraordinary uh, level. 
Um, all of the key people uh, representing technology anywhere are here. Um, and so since most of my uh, client base, if you will, are talent acquisition leaders in very large companies. Not all of them, many of them are here, but not all of them. And when they do send folks, they often send their technology folks behind the scenes. Uh, but I want to be able to ask a lot of questions that practitioners would want to ask. And, and for the last 10 years, I, um, I, I don't want to say I speak at, at HR Tech. I really um, bring a panel. So. Okay. This year, I have a panel of practitioners, talent acquisition leaders who are in major companies like ADP and Deloitte and PepsiCo and, um, and such, uh, all talking about what challenges they have with analytics, what keeps them up at night, and what they're doing about it. I think people should understand not so much the future, but what the here and now looks like, because that's how you create the future. That's interesting. I, I, we talk about the future of work, the future of technology all the time, but we still are here and now. You so have I, to create the future. I really appreciate that viewpoint. I believe the future is already here. It's just a matter of being distributed very small right. pieces, and we need to expand on that, leverage that, and create the futures we want to have. Well, Jerry, a lifelong student of recruiting, as you said, uh, you've obviously you've been a keen observer of this industry for a long, long time. And not just technology, but what else has changed fundamentally in the industry and with recruiting over this time? I think that, um, well, obviously the, the, the technology related to the internet, clearly, uh, social media, all of those things that are part and parcel of that are driving huge amounts of new changes that we can't even anticipate right now. I think there's a lot of unintended consequences around that. And so I'm convinced that the leading companies are remapping recruiting from the eyes of each stakeholder. So they're looking at what business leaders in fact really, really need and, and in what form do they need it to make better decisions. They're, they're looking at what recruiters are doing and what obviously will make it easier for them to do the work uh, of a recruiter. And uh, there is a key stakeholder who's often been left out clearly and that's the candidate. And so part of my passion has been around being able to look at um, what recruiting looks like from their eyes um, and the extent to which they need to make better decisions. Somebody obviously needs to teach them what that means, but the reality is if they do make better decisions, then the employers who are also making decisions, the combination will, will last longer, perform better, and all of those things. At least that would be the theory, and I'm convinced that we can collect the data to prove it. So we've been talking about the candidate experience for a long time. Yes. Right? For a long time. Jerry, I think when I first met you back in 2007, you were, you know, talking about it then. We're still talking about it eight, year, eight years later. My first book in 1996 basically had three rules, and the first one was follow the job seeker, and I described why. So, yeah, I've been bitching about this subject right. for uh, many, many years. And about five years ago, Elaine Orler called me and said, you know, we've been bitching about this for a long time. In fact, we've even debated the subject here at HR Tech. Right. We had a debate. Um, and what we should be doing really is not paying much attention to all those who are doing it badly and describing how badly they do it. We should be talking about the people who are doing it well. We need to out 
the companies that are doing extraordinary work. And a light bulb went on. I said, oh, how cool. That's like Psych 101, reward good behavior. So <laughs> the Candidate Experience Awards really grew from that. Ed Newman is our other founder. Um, and we're now in our fifth year. Uh, we had a symposium uh, in Dallas uh, a couple weeks ago. We had over 200 companies That's involved. Uh, and we were distributing, if you will, what we've learned from 130,000 candidates of about 120 companies that had participated by completing surveys. So we've got a, a wealth of data that we hope uh, will uh, kind of bubble up over the next year. Um, and we'll continue to do this. The sixth year, I think we're going to double as well. We've got 100 companies in Europe involved. We've wow. got 50 companies in uh, Asia. Um, and I'm building a, a council for uh, South America as we speak. That's fantastic. Well, the organizations that are doing it well, Jerry, I mean, what are the two or three key pillars of that that, that are, are foundational to that success? Um, community. I think uh, it's the entire community coming together. It's not... It's not simply, you know, me and a couple other characters uh, who, you know, tilting at windmills right. now. We've um, we brought on more than 30 or 40 volunteers who are uh, very heavily engaged in, in consulting and technology areas. We have um, a voice of the customer. We have multiple year winners now, and there's 30 or 40 of them that are giving hours every month uh, to help uh, better understand how we can share this data. We have research partners now, two universities in the United States, one in uh, Dusseldorf, Germany, um, and I'm talking to several other uh, big research outfits about what we could do to supply them with data. We have data like nobody else has, and I want to demonstrate that what makes for a difference is the quality of what we can bring to this discussion. Um, and it's all free. So is that big data? Or is it the really small, minute micro data that really matters? That I don't know, but I know it's good data. Yeah. And that's the that's most the important thing. That's they, the key. The, the key is this stuff has now been vetted by I, I don't know how many PhDs um, all looking at it, and they can't find fault with what we're doing. So they continue to, we continue to tweak it now, but we have a series of questions that hone in on the different touch points uh, that candidates would experience and we can uh, fully, you know, look at year on year uh, in terms of what they're what they're looking at. So I think it's great. All right, good stuff, Jerry, Rayan, and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. Intrepid HR Radio is brought to you by Dovetail Software, making real-time employee engagement a reality for today's busy HR department. Learn more at dovetailsoftware.com. That's dovetailsoftware.com. And now back to our live coverage from HR Tech, the conference for today's talent management professional. Here's Todd and Rayanne. All right, we're back with Jerry Crispin, founder and principled navigator with Career Crossroads. So, Jerry, when we, when we think about talent acquisition, we think about hiring, recruiting, what responsibility does that department have with employer branding and ultimately engagement retention? Oh, I think, well, first of all, if you ask all of those folks that question, I suspect you have on it various times. Most, most give up somewhere around the onboarding process, right? Uh, it's like, I've, 
I've given up, you know, I've done everything I can do. I brought you a really good person. It's Passing now yours. It off. It's your job now. <clears throat> That's when I was a recruiter, that was never the way I felt. Okay, so I believed that everybody that came into the company was mine. They were my people. Right. I I tried to influence who I thought was the best person. Sometimes I won, sometimes I lost. But the end result was I thought of myself as an equal when I engaged hiring managers and directors about what we should be doing and who we should be hiring. And that made me feel like I owned some of the stewardship of whether or not they were successful. And I wanted to learn whether or not they were. And so how can you be a world-class recruiter if you hire people, you put them in place, they go, okay, fine, and a year, three years, six months, whatever it is, they disappear, perform poorly, get fired, anything happens. Granted, not all of it was your doing, but there's a feedback loop that's missing. And so I want to know that the people that I'm thinking will fit in this culture and and grow and blossom in this culture actually do. That's predictive. And until we actually track that kind of information and feed it back into the system, I don't care what technology claims are made in terms of predictive analytics, you you ain't proved to me that you got anything but a crystal ball. You know, whether that crystal ball works is whether or not it actually happens in the right, end. Right. So um, I'm, I believe that there is a stronger or a series of handoffs in the pre-boarding phase where your colleagues get involved. But I also believe that there is a const- should be a constant flow of information coming back into the organization or into talent acquisition saying, here's how we should need to adjust what we're looking for in order to increase our ability to predict uh, success at, in various key areas. Post and pray, source and slay, you know, there's all these different things that we say about hiring. Right. It needs to come down to, though, the right person, the right time, the right place, and giving them the right opportunities. Right. I read something yesterday, Seth Godin said, um, the responsibility of an organization is to provide great product or service for the customer. The opportunity is to provide a great place to work right. for their employees. You know? but, but so there's, it's just a shift. It is a shift, but I think there's even more of a shift coming. And, and that shift is that we still think in terms of the product being the individual who's coming in, um, and we need to provide a great environment for them, and we need to decide, you know, we need to do all of that. And the key here is we're all going we, as opposed to the candidate, the candidate's readiness, the candidate's understanding of what he or she needs in in their life and their job in their life now right. is as equal to the success as, as the employer's. So it's right. not the employer's overall responsibility to do all of that. It's the employer's responsibility to build partnerships with their employees and help them make the best decisions for themselves, and sometimes that means leaving. Right. 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 I, and maybe even coming back after. Uh, that's happened uh, a lot. And you know, there's a whole host of things that some companies are beginning to wake up and say, you know what, I do need to help them make career decisions as employees. I'm interested in the talent acquisition side. I think we should be making really understanding how what the candidate needs transparently to understand whether this is the right job, the right culture fit, the right whatever, right now. 
And we failed miserably, generally, to do that. But there are a few companies that are beginning to build that uh, into their process. So at the point at which you're researching a company, you know, it'd be nice if you could see uh, that I'm going to be working for Joe, and Joe has had 50 people work for him in the last 10 years, and look at where they are now. Here's a map of right. where all the people that Joe developed in the last 10 years are. And I could look at that and go, oh, uh, I want to work for Joe. You know, well, and that's I want one Joe layer. For me. And that's right? one layer of of culture within the company, right? It's the team and the hiring manager. And then ob obviously there's issues beyond that. But we're only beginning to get to that level. I mean, we, we got to start with basics. Like, why don't we just, when I look at a job in a company, why don't you tell me what the compensation is for that job? Because it's a secret. It is, <laughs> I know. And it's stupid. And by the way, in California, I don't know if you know, January 1st, they signed, he signed a law that it, it will be illegal to ask any candidate what, what they make. Why? It because a lot of things. Because it does. It's discrimination. Why? Because, <laughs> because women will, on average, name less, a salary yeah. less, and yeah. as a result, they'll be offered less. Hmm. Fascinating. So, so we're going to move. We're going to move to California's moving to force companies to pay what the job is worth, and that is going to that is going to drive a lot of people nuts right over the edge. I want my pom poms right now. <laughs> I want to jump up and down, scream and holler. So we'll see. We'll see if that happens. Yeah. Well, it's going to be fun to watch, Jerry. Listening to you, I'm beginning to see the power of what what all this data is enabling us enabling us really to do. Yes. I, mean, if I, heard, I want to confirm something that I thought I heard you say a minute ago. I mean, you're not the first person who has indicated that, that the, the, the organization's dropping the ball after onboarding and we're losing the opportunity to really do effective yep. employee engagement. And, yeah, but the idea though that, you, that all right, we're, we're now gonna be able to show data that is gonna maybe finally prove it to the organization. You gotta do this, think about this in a different way. Yes. I mean, is that, is that, could that be the thing that finally uh, gets us to the turning point? Yeah, I mean, it, we, we have to think more deeply about what kind of data is appropriate to collect. I mean, right now we're collecting everything, you know, so there's a steady, that's the big data. Yep. It's just like a yep. steady stream of shit coming in. And we don't know and, where to put it. And we do don't know quite what to do, so we look, for, we look for correlations. And you know what? With billions of different possibilities, we're going to find correlations. Some of them are going to be good. Some of them are actually going to be bad. We have to think in advance, what is the hypothesis we're testing? So what I want to do is look at, for example, what is the level of engagement of somebody walking in the door at that first stage and and what is their, how does that engagement grow or drop based on what the hell you're doing with them <laughs> in the in the right. first year of onboarding, let's say. Mm -hmm. And and are you are you helping to maintain that? Because that's that's where you begin to lose them, is right right there. They they obviously chose you. Right or wrong, they chose you to come in, so their engagement level should be the highest, and we're actually measuring that. So I'm I'm measuring people all the way to that door. I can I can slice and dice all the people who knew they were hired, and what their NPS score, for example, is. And let's assume that that's a good metric to try to you know link to another metric 
somewhere, you know, three months, six months, whatever. And we can see where people are starting, we can see where, how people are moving, and we can begin to start connecting that to various practices that we think are important in helping to develop people to perform, perform and develop within the company. Perfect. Jerry, how many times have you been to this conference? Mm, I don't know, 15 maybe. Uh, I was here before, two, I, I remember 2001. Okay. It was on September 11th. Wow. In, in Maryland. Wow. So it was a few years before that. So probably nearly 20 years. What, what is important for a it new... It didn't last very long, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it closed down about... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, never mind. <laughs> That's interesting. Interesting tracking history by conference attendance. I do that too. Yeah, so. I I um, uh, I spoke for the twentieth time at uh, Sherm. Um, yeah, okay. you know, seeing seeing these changes, and I, I will tell you, this this conference has really grown yeah. to to an extraordinary level. So, why is it important for a practitioner to attend this event? I think uh, any practitioner who's got responsibility for technology must do this. I mean, they just, they must find a uh, place where they can walk around and really kind of engage or challenge um, some of the people who are bringing the technology here. I do think that you have, uh, you have more higher quality players from the technology who are here so that if you have better questions, there's people around who have answers. Some of the smaller conferences, the people who are at the booth may be more the salespeople, right? Right. Um, and here you have, you have a combination of that, but you also have the people who want to touch the practitioner and learn what the practitioner is getting from. So they, they like it when you walk by and you say, hey, I'm using your stuff and I like it, or I'm using your stuff and there's one glitch you keep on saying is in the next generation and I keep getting pissed when it next generation comes and it's not there. Right. And would you please fix this? Otherwise, you know, the next time it comes up for, you know, discussion, we're going to be looking at other, other options. Right. And that would, that would galvanize some of these characters to start, to start adjusting their vision of the tools they're bringing to the, to the market to the vision that the practitioners are beginning to have about the tools they want in the market. And 20 years ago, there was no vision from the practitioner. They didn't even know how to use technology tools, right? You had to tell them how to turn a computer on. Right. But today, they have They've played with all kinds of things that integrate or don't. <laughs> and the they, have, they have opinions now about what they want. And I think, I think more and more uh, software providers and uh, other technology tool providers need to pay more attention now because they, they have more to say. All right. Well, Jerry, I hate to say it. We were out of time. Uh, we, Brianne and I had a bet. I won. She said you weren't going to have enough to say. It was in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> I that win. is not true. She did not say that. <laughs> Jerry knows that I didn't say that. <laughs> Jerry, before we let you go, how can people contact you? Should they have questions and want to learn more about Career Crossroads? They can Google my name <laughs> or go. Bing it. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the easiest way. My, my uh, email address is gcrispin at careercrossroads.com. And so, you can I mean, find Jerry hard. on Twitter at Jerry 
G-E-R-R-Y Crispin, C-R-I-S-P-I-N. Cool. All right. Jerry Crispin, the founder and principled navigator with Career Crossroads. Great to have you. Thanks for stopping by and joining us. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. It's all the time we have for now. On behalf of Rayanne Thorne, our sponsor, Dovetail Software, and all who make this show possible, I'm Todd Schneck. Intrepid HR's coverage from HR Tech. We'll be right back. 